So today on the Dossier Podcast, we have an awesome guest, Evelyn Ray. She's a writer at The Cauldron Pool. You've definitely seen her on Twitter. She's big on a lot of other social media. She's a contributor at Sky News, all of her TV. Uh, she's, she's been, um, unlike my last Australian guest who was able to get to the safety of the United States, <laughs> Evelyn is currently um, in an undisclosed location in Australia. Uh, I believe you're, you're born and raised in Australia, and she's had a lot of interesting insight. Um, one of the very rare people who was really questioning the COVID craziness from the beginning, I think, like from the early days when a lot of people had kind of like no idea what was going on and deferred to the government, and especially in Australia, where I'd say the majority, the vast majority of the population still very much defers to the government's recommendations. And, you know, I saw that uh, in Melbourne and Sydney, there's like all this lockdown stuff still going on. It seems to be getting worse and worse. So I wanted to get Evelyn on to get her take on this COVID craziness and what's kind of like the vibes going on in in her part of the world. Uh, Evelyn, it's so great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, We're a small little country down under and um, we are massively censored those of us down here who are privy to what's actually going on. So I really appreciate you having me on so I can kind of shed a bit of light onto our situation down here. It's interesting because I even hear that people with prominent social media accounts are getting contacted by the government for saying the wrong things. And there was this I think famous example of what someone on Facebook said they were going to a rally for free speech or whatever against the lockdowns. The next thing you know, the police are knocking down their door. Do you ever kind of worry that they're, you know, the government's, you're kind of on the government's radar just because you're speaking out against this supposed uh, scientific consensus that has driven your country into madness, basically? (laughs) It certainly is worrying. Um, Yeah, the story that you mentioned uh, happened in Melbourne, in Victoria, where people were, uh, you know, expressing an interest in attending these freedom rallies and the police were going around serving them with written notices, basically, that if they do attend, they've been warned, they're not allowed to go to the area and they will be arrested. And myself and my inner circle often joke, if we hear the doorbell ringing and we're not expecting anyone, (laughs) to assume that it's the police coming on our door for us speaking out against all of the tyranny down here. But um, yeah, I think because of my insight, because I come from a law enforcement background, I know what they are capable of doing. And I know the sort of things that uh, is possible within the realms of the laws that we have here. So it is quite almost terrifying. um, But I also have a bit of a comfort knowing that, um, their procedures and what they do, what they're capable of doing. But everyday Australians who don't know that information or don't have the same background as me would probably be living in fear that at any moment now the police could arrest them for attending a freedom rally or for not wearing a mask and being caught on camera on surveillance footage and then the police identifying them and coming in and putting an infringement notice on them. So... The latest news out of Australia, at least in Melbourne and city in Sydney, where I think those metro areas, about 50% of the population lives, that they're they're going hard on the lockdowns. And despite their best efforts, 
the lock the the case counts have continued to escalate. Can you give us a sense of the kind of draconian policies that are being instituted in Australia's biggest population centers? Because I think people don't realize how restrictive it is right now. Like you see some photos on social media about these like decontamination centers. Is that mm. just media hype or is that the real deal? What's going on right now? Yeah, it is real. It is actually happening. Um, a lot of it, a lot of us are aware that it is just fear, porn, propaganda that's being put into the media to get us to comply. Um, but yeah, it, just to give you a bit of an understanding, uh, we are a country of about 24, 25 million people. And at the moment, we have over 15 million people restricted or locked down in their homes. Uh, in New South Wales alone, we have eight point something million residents. And we have in particular eight local government areas in Sydney that are in not just lockdown, but shutdown. And what that means essentially is they cannot for work or for any reason leave their home or go within five kilometres of their home. If they get a permit for an essential uh, work reason to leave that particular five kilometre radius area, uh, they have to, by these mandated uh, public health orders, get a COVID test every single 72 hours. And with that COVID test, when they leave their areas, whether it's a police checkpoint, whether it's a random police stop, whether it's the military who are there at the moment, they have to produce the negative COVID test result to those authorised officers to prove that they don't have COVID and they can leave their house. So not all of us within the state have that level of restriction. We are all restricted. We all have restrictions on how many people are allowed in our home, how far we can leave our home, the reasons to leave our home. But there are eight in particular local government areas in Sydney that are in full shutdown. That's where the uh, Australian Defence Force, the 300 personnel from the military, have deployed to assist and support the police down there. But everything that people are seeing uh, is real. Uh, we have health ministers, our health chief health officers over here uh, telling us that they're going to be going through our shopping bags to make sure that what we are shopping for is actually essential. You have the health minister in uh, Queensland who actually said that you have to eat certain foods. And if you go shopping... Uh, that you, it might be worth changing what you want to eat so that you don't go to the shops. This is the level of control that we are having here. And people, when you tell them, don't believe it, but the press conferences, the official government press conferences are there for everybody to see. The clips are there with these people saying these exact ridiculous things. Um, and it's just, it's just this weird dystopian uh, world that we're living in. It doesn't seem real, but this is what we're dealing with uh, in Australia right now. Yeah, it seems almost like a rich man's North Korea with how they're pursuing <laughs> these, these, these COVID policies. It's, so yeah. does it matter if you are vaccinated or if you've had COVID before or, they, or does, do the policies just apply to everyone, these restrictions? Is there any way to get out of them if you're just an average citizen who's happened to have COVID or took you know, the double doses of whatever vaccine, or, or is this just a blanket order? Um, it's a blanket order, but we've had 
um, the uh, premiers of each state come out and say, once we have zero COVID cases in each state, then we can come out of the lockdowns. I'm not talking about, you know, like a, a normal, what we would see reasonable number. I'm talking a flat zero, the big donut. You have yeah. to have zero cases for us to come out of lockdowns. And we've also had our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, say in a press conference, and when he came out of the cabinet meeting, the national cabinet meeting, that if Australia can reach a vaccination point of 80%, then we can start to see restrictions ease. And until we see 80% of Australians vaccinated, only the vaccinated people will have their restrictions ease. So he's had like government sanctioned segregation between vaccinated and non-vaccinated people in Australia. He has actually said, if you are vaccinated, your restrictions could potentially be less than those who are unvaccinated. And right now in Australia, we are sitting at 16% overall fully vaccinated. So we are a long way off 80% and I can't see us getting to 80% anytime soon. And I can't see us getting to zero uh, cases within the community anytime soon. And they're the two things that the government, the carrot that they've dangled in front of our face, vaccination and zero COVID. So I dare say we better buckle up or we might be here till Christmas, if not after Christmas. I can't see how we're going to get out of here. I think a lot of Americans and just my Western audience in general is not aware that when Australia means zero cases, they actually mean zero cases in a country of 25 million people. And it's just so, it's so insane and mind boggling and so irresponsible for these politicians to be doing this to the people. Is there any type of resistance in the parliament or is this like a bipartisan, it seems to me from an outsider's perspective, this is very much a bipartisan endeavor. Like no one dares speak out against the craziness because it seems that they've determine that this is the scientific consensus, which is nonsense, but that also it's becoming politically expedient to accept this narrative, right? Like zero COVID is popular in Australia. Like people have bought in. Yeah, we're really divided, to be honest. We have um, a large group of us over here who are like a resistance, like you said, who are awake to, you know, the real agenda, the real narrative that's going on. But Unfortunately and sadly, it's been quite disappointing to see that a large portion of Australians are just eating everything that the government are feeding them. And we actually have over here, on average, 5,000 calls to the police every single day with neighbours dobbing in their neighbours, with people on the streets who see businesses not enforcing mask restrictions, who people go past a park and say they're not social distancing enough. The police in Australia are receiving 5,000 calls a day dealing with oh dibber dobbers, dealing with people calling up crime stoppers and the police to try and get infringement notices um, on their neighbour and things like that. We've actually had the health officials say, if you go to the shops and you see your neighbour, do not talk to them. It's not the time for a conversation. And unfortunately, there have been, it's, it's almost exposed people who, um, and their true colours because there are such a, a group and a portion of Australians who would actually wish the non-masked, non-vaccinated people dead. There are tweets out there, blue uh, tick uh, 
Twitter, like people out there from Australia, whether they're in journalism, whether they're in some form of, you know, government role, wishing that the non-vaccinated and the masks, uh, non-mask wearing uh, people in Australia to be locked up, to be going off to camps. This is things that Australian people have said against other Australians. We had only three weeks ago, mass protests in all of the major cities in Australia. We had it in uh, Sydney, in Melbourne, in Perth and in Brisbane. And there were thousands upon thousands of Australians that took to the street to sort of stand up against the tyranny. And in response to that, instead of other Australians, um, you know, getting behind each other, we have people tweeting that I saw my friend from school in that protest and I just, I just called the police and gave them their identity identification you have people saying anybody who goes to the protests needs to go to jail and these are the things that Australians are saying against other Australians the police have put thousands of detectives onto a task force just to specifically go through the video footage from these protests in order to identify Australians so that the police can charge them take them to court or give them fines for uh for not uh, complying with the current restrictions in Australia. Yeah, that's so shocking. I, I had no idea it was that bad that they were identifying and isolating these people so that they, I, I suppose, so that they can't regroup and try this again. If they you know, can isolate them and arrest them at their homes, you can't have much of a consensus or coalition and they're trying to scare people into not speaking out against government policies. And it goes against everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is total authoritarianism and there is that you can't say that you live in a liberal or free society when something like this is happening and there's it's crazy to me that they just excuse this and say oh well there's a virus going around well the news flash that a lot of people don't realize is that there's always a virus going around that mm. every year we used to call this flu season but somehow with covid it's just driven us insane. Um, so now mm. it's the Australian winter. And unsurprisingly to a lot of people, I think who understand basic, the, the basic tenets of the respiratory season, they're struggling to keep a respiratory season and a respiratory virus under control. Um, it, it's just, it's amazing to me. I, I don't know about are, are, were you, did you ever think in a million years that this could happen in your country that like you just kind of flipped into this autocratic regime <laughs> over overnight? I, I mean, I know that early on Australian policy, similar to New Zealand's policy was like, okay, you know, we're going to like close the borders. And I, I think they were like more optimistic about just kind of like getting over the hurdle. We're going to lock down, but now Australia's on, I think, some areas are in six lockdowns, seven lockdowns. Now they're saying zero COVID, 80% vaccination rate. It, and it just seems that, mm -hmm. uh, were you like caught off guard by all this? Because I, I certainly was in some parts of the United States. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's quite ironic. We started off as a prison colony and we've come full circle uh, and we're back here again uh, to our roots of being prisoners. Um, but yeah, it, it did come as a bit of a surprise because us Aussies, by our nature, we're very, um, we're very sturdy individuals. We live in a country where everything is trying to kill us. If it's not the drought and the lack of rain, it's the, the insects and the snakes and the spiders and the, 
the box jellyfish, you name it. We're, like we have a reputation of being tough people who don't take nonsense from anyone. Um, and we've actually come out to, you know, the biggest bedwetters in the West. <laughs> um, so it's been a bit of a shock. Um, but it, it, to some degree, it also doesn't surprise me because I think we've had it so good for so long over here. And we are an island nation, so we don't have a lot of the um, outbreaks of certain diseases and sicknesses and viruses and flus that maybe, you know, countries like Europe who have like more open borders than us. So we are quite like a, um, you know, a very green nation to be tested for trials and tribulations and things. Um, but our whole mentality of she'll be right, mate, has come and bit us in the butt because while it's one of our most endearing qualities, it's also been, um, you know, the, the, the worst uh, quality going into COVID because too many people in Australia are, you know, putting their head in the sand. We've trusted the government for so long. We, in Australia, we have a public health system. So we've basically asked the government to be mum and dad and then, you know, I'm getting upset that they're treating us like kids, um, but people can't see that that's what they're doing. Um, but with a public health system, it's like because the, the government are paying for our health, it's like they feel they have a responsibility to our health. And our own personal health risk management system that every individual has, has been stripped from us and put on the shoulders of the authorities. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's been shocking for a lot of us, but you know, to give even a greater perspective here, out of 25 million people, we've had, while it's still very sad, we have had 940 something deaths since the beginning of um, COVID back, you know, nearly 18 months, two years ago. And 909 of those 940 deaths were in 2020. Um, and 820 of those were in Victoria alone. So like when you have a look at the perspective here and you actually look at the numbers, it, it, in comparison to other nations around the world, you would think, well done, Australia, well done, you're doing really good. But our government over here are, are just like putting the fear of God in all of us um, and, and is sort of making the situation out a lot worse in comparison to other nations around the world. We have a coroner's court over here in Western Australia who actually disseminated an email with the document to all of the coroners in Australia saying that if somebody has died and they have not been tested for COVID, but they had some of the symptoms prior to their death, whether it be a runny nose, a cough, sneezing or a sore throat to mark it down as a COVID death. This is without even confirming with a test that they had COVID or they died with COVID. So even that 900 and something deaths, how do we even know it's that much? How do we even know that it's that when you have coroners, the people who report on deaths in Australia, reporting people having a runny nose as dying with COVID without the test? Yeah. That's, that's government. And, and, you know, you have, we had only in New South Wales last week, a 27-year-old man was reported as dying of COVID. Um, and his family came out and said, hang on, he, he tested negative for COVID the day before he died. And he's had a congenital uh, heart disease for his whole life. He was like, he was never going to survive this heart disease. It's been an ongoing health concern of his. So even family members are now speaking out and saying to the government and the mainstream media, 
wait for the coroner's report because he didn't die with COVID. Um, and so when you have that pumped into the citizens over here, people that are just lapping it up, you, you get a really confused nation. There are people who want to trust the government. There are some of us like myself who can see what they're doing, but there's a lot of segregation and division in here between us uh, citizens right now. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do, because we've seen this all over the West, that we've kind of, because I think so many of us are sheltered, living very comfortable lives due to, you know, the advancements in technology. We have our, uh, you know, food delivery, grocery delivery, that this was made possible, you know, these lockdowns, this isolation because of technology, but technology also made us really soft. And I, I think it's interesting, like the arguments that you were talking about with the low case totals and that there's a huge problem with diagnosis. But I, I think that the problem is these, these politicians are just promising too much. And I, I think they're just like, it, it's a ticking time bomb because uh, there, there is no, like, the only way to avoid people ever getting sick from each other again is to permanently, uh, mm. you, you know, isolate everyone for the rest of time. And at some point, like, you run out of options. So I, while I, I think it's tough because the, the, the pro-lockdown Australians will say, oh, our, our low numbers are because of our government policies. And that's why these not, this must continue. And I think that there's a dynamic here um, that is kind of not discussed in the Australian and New Zealand situation because so few people have had an experience with COVID. So the corporate press has been able to hype this up as like this killer virus and whatever, like here in Florida or in any other state in the U.S., so many people have had COVID and have experienced COVID. Uh, you know, me personally, it was like a two-day cough. So it's not like it's some, because like you just, a lot of people buy into this fear mongering from the, from the press. And from what I understand, the press has been genuinely terrible, like state sycophants mm. that just like pump up the fear as much as possible. And whenever I'm searching for news on Australia, it's, it, and you, you see these, these corp, these corporate press agents, uh, I think on both, you know, the right-leaning left-leaning side, the, the fear mongering and the demands for their own restrictions, it, it that might be like the worst part of it. I, I think that's, that's done so mm. much damage to the psyche because they're deliberately spreading this, this nonsense about, you know, a killer virus and whatnot. And I think people are, leg people have become legitimately fearful, but until you encounter the virus and you're like, okay, this is actually not a big deal. And maybe, you know, the best way is just to live our lives through it like we did in every other flu season in human history essentially except for like some bad plagues that came around that were separate it's just um like i'm looking at the the new vaccination totals in australia that the guardian just published um 18 they're at 18.4 percent and you said that 80 percent is what they have to reach so i think like it's just like what what do you see if we're if so it's august 10th on the um it might be august 11th where you are but, but it's yeah we're uh, from the preacher so it's august and we'll call it august 11th what happens on like if we're having this conversation august 11th 2022 
is Australia still shut down? Is it still like the same craziness going on? Because because my opinion would would unfortunately be pessimistic on this front, but maybe you have a different view. Yeah, I'm uh, unfortunately in the uh, glass half empty uh, category. I, I, by my nature, I always usually think the worst. I think that comes as what I did for a living before this. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, um, I don't see enough of a resistance yet. I feel that the, the rubber band is going to snap at some point, um, but I'm not sure if we're there yet. You see, you have parents still begging the government to let their children be vaccinated so they can do their HSE. You, until people, more people start waking up to what's really going on, I feel sadly we're going to be stuck here. And I think it's going to be us uh, non-vaccinated people who are going to suffer. I think once we reach a certain threshold over here, where you said we're at 18 point something percent. When I checked a few days ago, it was 16 percent. Um, whenever we reach a certain percentage that the government you know, says is deems fit. They've said 80 is the target, but we all know that's unrealistic. Whether they get to 50% and then open it up, I fully believe that the non-vaccinated will be living different set of rules to the vaccinated. And I think it's going to be that way for a while until people pick the hill that they're willing to die on. There are lots yeah. of people um, that the Pfizer has just been approved. And I think the Moderna in Australia as well for children trials and for kids having it. At that point in time, I saw a large group of parents finally wake up to everything and say, that's enough. That's the hill I'm going to choose to die on. You're not going to vaccinate my kid. So, you know, like how much further can they go before more Australians start to pick a hill that they're willing to die on? Um, yeah. There's, you know, like I, it all comes down to that. But I think, you, as you said, 2022, uh, I, I have a horrible feeling that we are going to be in the exact same spot in and out of lockdowns. And look at Israel, the most vaccinated nation in the whole world. And they've just had 6,000 cases this last week. They're threatening more lockdowns. They're threatening the third jab. The CDC in America just said um, to Americans, even if they're fully vaccinated, don't travel to Israel because of the likelihood of you contracting the virus. It's like if you, if you can look at everything around the world, there's no out. Lockdowns, vaccinations are not a healthy or sustainable pathway out of this virus at some point in time people in power have to accept as well as citizens have to accept that we have to learn to live with this we can't outrun this thing forever and we need yeah. to change it you'd think by by now we would have you know with all of our technology with all of our medicine with all of our science with all of our social skills we're not cavemen anymore you would think we would have a better solution two years down the track than what we do now it is not working it is not sustainable um, but I don't know at what point the rubber band's going to snap. I feel like we're in for some pretty, uh, you know, hard times before we get to that point, unfortunately. Yeah, you bring up a super important point referencing the new data about the vaccinations. It seems that governments are playing catch up to reality and that, you know, Moderna, Pfizer, BioNTech, the Chinese vaccine makers, they all made a lot of promises <laughs> a few months ago, or even maybe six months ago now, when they started to roll out these vaccines and received approval. And they said, it's basically hundred percent, you're good to go. And now we're in the situation where Australians probably, Australia is probably in, in last place in terms of like getting through the COVID madness, but you had Israel, which you just referenced, which went all in on the vaccine. 
Um, they went like super security state. Everyone must be vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, you're not going to be able to leave your house basically. So everyone, I, I think they, they probably reached that 80% marker. I don't have the exact numbers on me, but my friends in Israel, I, everyone um, other than like, you know, the, the religious communities and some libertarian folks, so many people took the vaccine mm. and, and you're right. What you're finding is that, oh, it's not really working as well as planned. So what's interesting mm. is that I think the American government and the Australian government, the, the people in charge right now kind of have the same perspective on the vaccines that their talking points are not reflecting the reality of the vaccines. And while like the, the jury is still very much out on the efficacy and what it's actually doing. So I guess Australia needs to, so like all of these governments, whether it's Australia, whether it's Canada, whether it's UK, they seem to be talking about, you know, how mass vaccination is going to be the way out of this. And then you see the Israel example where Israel's about mm -hmm. to go back into lockdown because um, they think that lockdown is still like this way to beat a virus, even though it's like Chinese propaganda garbage. And, and it's just, it, it's so, it's so sad to see the Western world. And, and so you, you worked in criminal justice and law enforcement and it, it has long time been a noble profession. And I, I think mm. what's interesting is that, you know, this like pro Liberty coalition, it must be kind of tough for you to see that, law enforcement is being used as like tools of the state to enforce this craziness. Yeah, it sure is. I'm in a really difficult position. Um, you know, like I, when, when you've served and, and you, you form a camaraderie, um, you form like a brotherhood, like a bond for life. It's something you carry around with you forever. So for me, seeing them do things that I completely to the core of my soul disagree with, it, it actually it actually upsets me. It saddens me. And, you know, I'm actually really grateful that I resigned in 2020, not because of this, but, you know, I resigned back then for other reasons. And I'm so grateful that I did and that I'm not in this position because I would have to quit. I could not do it. Um, and I'm actually seeing a lot of colleagues of mine quitting. Um, I've seen a lot of colleagues of mine leave from the central metropolitan uh, areas and go out to the country out in whoop whoop it's just so that they do not have to enforce these tyrannical authoritarian type restrictions um and unfortunately it's the good cops the good police who actually joined for the right purpose who are leaving and who are wanting to transfer out of the areas and you're left with a very different caliber of police officer on the streets in these cities you're left with police who possibly have just been indoctrinated from the recruitment process through the training process and are just doing what they're told and they're doing it under the false belief that they're doing the right thing. Um, you're left with police who join for the wrong reasons, who probably join because they love a good power trip and they're feeding off this power. And then you're, you're left with police who like to kiss butt, who like to just do what their bosses tell them to do because they want to jump the promotional ladder. And it's really sad because you're seeing police fracture the relationship between civilian and law enforcement to such a degree we are going to see great consequences in the future because in Australia we have had for such a long time such a trust between law enforcement and civilian as a police officer I could go up to any house or any vehicle not like I, I'm we're always armed but 
not on edge. I could just walk up and go, g'day, mate. I'm here investigating this. What have you seen? What have you heard? Can you help me? And everyone wants to help you out. Now, after all of this, I don't think police, law enforcement, government, politicians realize the damage this is going to do. We've spent a long time having a trustworthy police force and, you know, like we've completely undone all that. And I think, you know, in hindsight, that the relationship between law enforcement and civilian is far more important than enforcing these arbitrary uh, public health orders and restrictions in Australia. And we're yet to see the damage. Um, but yeah, as you said, I'm in a really hard position and I hate speaking out against it, but I think I have to. I feel a responsibility to, I'm in a unique position where I can, you know, maybe offer a bit more insight than the average person because I did serve for 12 years. But um, yeah, I, I'm very disappointed in the actions of the police over here. Um, I'm very disappointed in the the bosses who should be protecting their junior officers and not putting their junior officers in these positions. I, I, I'll just tell you a quick story. Um, th there is actually a group of police over here in Australia. It's called uh, Cops for COVID Truth. And there's <laughs> a group of police officers who have actually um, written all these petitions and they're suing the police bosses and they're suing the government for making them enforce these COVID restrictions. Oh, they're, they're good cops. So, That's good. To yeah. Hear. So, it, yeah. So they it's were like state propagandists the way you, that their, their group is phrased, but that's good. <laughs> no. So they're actually doing something good, but because they've done that, these police officers are now potentially under investigation for breaching their sworn oath of office. So they might have to, they might be getting fired from the police just because they wrote a letter saying that they're not happy with doing this and that they shouldn't have to. It goes against their oath and all these things. Um, you have a police officers who, I, this is a story that I've heard and someone contacted me about where the police officer themselves has a medical exemption not to wear a mask. They can't wear a mask for a 12-hour shift. So they had a doctor write them a certificate to say that they couldn't because of their medical condition. The police bosses have now taken this and said to this police officer, oh, well, if you can't wear a mask for the whole day, then maybe you're not medically fit to be a police officer. And now they're trying to take this badge off this police officer that I'm friends with. Um, and so the good cops that are, that are currently serving are getting driven out. And I tell you what, <laughs> If, if people hated the police before, which probably some people have for the right reasons, they're going to sure as heck hate them even more now because the caliber that's left on the street is just going to be uh, something that Australians have never uh, had to deal with before. It's interesting. And I think that you can, you can look at this a couple of ways. There's that the distrust in government is going to lead to bad things in the future. But there's also kind of like the long-term white-pilled vision, I suppose, that I, I guess as an American, you have a, I have like a little bit of a different perspective on this, is that when I find that my fellow Americans, especially distrust our institutions, I think, great, because they, they haven't really earned that trust anyway. Like if they hate mm. the politicians in Washington, D.C., and our, the, the problem I think with our institutions, at least in the West as a whole, is that they've become so exposed as, as weak and have not lived up to their reputation as like these mm. great entities. And, and I think it's, a, it's, it's certainly a problem 
throughout the West and, you know, specifically the Anglosphere and how weak and um, mm-hmm. illiberal, I guess you can call it, we've become. But I think it's also at least, I don't know if you've seen this, it, it's kind of like red pilled a lot of people in the sense that they've, these institutions have exposed themselves and a lot of people who didn't realize how bad it was or how much change is needed immediately and into the future. Do you think that at least a lot of people are opening up their eyes to that possibility that, Hey, like we, I need to be more of an active citizen to seek change in my government and my community because like our institutions are rotten and actually threatening my well-being at this point. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It, it has been encouraging seeing lots of different people from all different walks of life sort of open their eyes. And as you said, kind of red pilled to, to what's going on. Um, those of us that have been red pilled for a while, I don't, I'm not sure what color you would give us now. We're a bit deeper in the rabbit hole. Mm. But um, it's good to see beginners kind of come to the point that we all were at a little while ago. Um, you know, my best friend of 30 years, I've known her since we were in nappies, uh, she's, she's a lefty. I have no idea how we've been. It's my tolerance that's tolerated our friendship. I'm a kid. But um, it's in, through all of this, uh, her and her husband have been uh, following me and all that I'm writing for Cauldron Pool, all these different things. And I was amazed because I thought that there is no way that the, that they would um, ever agree with me on any of my political or social or cultural stances. But COVID has even allowed us to reach a similar level with our thinking, with government, with these institutions, like you mentioned. Um, and so that's been really encouraging Um, And we're seeing lots of people, especially parents, I think, people um, who are trying to think about a future for their kids and thinking about the governments that are in place and the institutions that are in place and how if they don't make a difference now, how this is going to really severely affect their children and their children's children in the future. So it, it is encouraging, like you said. I do think that lots of people are waking up to what is really going on. But um, I think it's early days. I think the level of corruption that is in our government, that is in these elites around the world that are kind of pulling the strings, I think it's yet to be fully exposed. I think what we've seen so far is just the tip of the iceberg. So maybe it's going to take a little bit more of um, that iceberg being exposed for more people to open their eyes up. But um, I do think that we are, we're on the right track. It's just, yeah, for us in Australia, we might be a little bit behind yeah, I hope to radicalize Australians in the direction of freedom. Please, <laughs> there, I would like nothing more than to see like burgeoning <laughs> movements for constitutionalism, gun rights, all these crazy, all these ideas that are so crazy to Australians. When I talk about them, mm. like, hey, maybe you should, uh, you know, talk about gun ownership. They're like, oh, I can't touch a gun. Like, what do you? But, yeah. uh, it's uh, I, know. I, 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 I'm encouraged at least that like this will have an opportunity to radicalize a lot of Australians in, in the best, in the best of, in the best of ways for sure. But um, yeah. Glenn, I, I really appreciate your time. What's like the best way people can reach you on Twitter or at, on your, at Cauldron Pool? Yeah. So um, those of us who speak the truth in Australia, and I'm sure you can, um, you can empathize with this as well. We're massively censored. So you can find me on Twitter uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. I'm also on Gab, but 
massively censored. Um, if you want to see my published works, um, you can go to cauldronpool.com and see my articles there. Um, and yeah, I, I really appreciate you having me on so that I, I can actually put a little voice out there in the world about what's going on on our crazy prison island down here. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it.